Hello and welcome to May Contain, the podcast of Breaking the Sigma. I'm Dan, your host on the podcast, and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Mark Ward, who's the owner of Niche, which is one of the first restaurants in London to be completely gluten-free. He's also advisor for the top airlines around the world, and he recently set up an algae-free kids brand, and in his spare time, he's also an algae writer too. And I really enjoyed the chat with Mark on the podcast to really kind of pick his brains about supplying special food to the airline industry, his journey behind setting up a gluten-free restaurant and his story behind becoming celiac and how this led to him shaking up the industry. I spoke with Mark a few times before the podcast and I just really, really admire him. He's super, super successful and when he puts his mind to it, he always achieves it. And I find it super interesting to kind of hear about his upbringing and how this influence had on him growing up. I just get the sense that if there's a problem, he always finds a way to solve it. He even said he's a self-confessed nerd when he puts his mind to submit. And I love listening back to this episode. I just find it super insightful. So if you do enjoy this episode, please, please subscribe to the Make and Take podcast. Only 50% of you guys click subscribe. So if you can click subscribe or follow us to the podcast, I really appreciate it. This podcast is also available on YouTube as well if you want to give it a watch. And just before I jump into the podcast... I've set up a Patreon page where you can support the Make Today Podcast for little as £2.50, so little less than a price for coffee, but you get access to the podcast earlier. Um, and running a podcast can get expensive, so I really want to keep the content going every week for you guys. So if you can support the Make Today Podcast, I'll make sure I'll leave a link to the Patreon page in the podcast description below. With all that out of the way, grab yourself a tea and let's jump into the podcast. Hello and welcome back to Make It Same Podcast. I'm joined by Mark. And honestly, I think you're the first guest to have on who knows more about me <laughs> than I do about you. Obviously, we recently did, obviously, kind of you as an editor and you did the press release. But for anyone who wants to do, obviously, a bit of an introduction to yourself, honestly, the list goes on. Like, honestly, <laughs> like from restaurant owners. But yeah, if you'd like to do a bit of an intro. So we met in my capacity uh, as a writer for a couple of magazines. And I interviewed you because I wanted to know more about your story and how this podcast came to yeah. exist. I wasn't pitching to get on it or anything, <laughs> but it was very nice of you to ask me to. Um, I own... Uh, uh, Niche uh, Gluten-Free Dining, which is a, a gluten-free restaurant and was the first in London uh, um, in Angel Islington. I set up with my business partner, purely selfishly, because I was diagnosed celiac in the very early stages of having the restaurant. And my business partner said to me, there's no point owning a restaurant you can't actually eat in. And uh, he was right, but it was a big journey to become yeah. uh, good at that. And uh, at the time, I was working in the aviation industry uh, as culinary director of quite a large, uh, well, the largest airline caterer in the UK. And we were doing with almost 100 airlines. And so I had a really good perspective. But one of the things I wasn't so happy about was the way they produced uh, special meals, which are the dietary special meals or allergen special meals you would pre-order on board, you know, before you go on a flight. So I, in our infinite wisdom, we decided to set up Niche Free From Kitchen, which is our food production business, which we make airline special meals, we do private healthcare, and we have a retail products as well. Yeah. So quite broad, and that's now become bigger. And we've, we produce uh, in America, in Thailand, and we have a new kitchen up on the 1st of April in Toronto. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's incredible, like, you do so much. If we go back to the very beginning... <laughs> You was a, a washer in a in a fish restaurant. That's you mentioned right. on your website. So you've done some research. Yeah, you? we did a bit of research. <laughs> if we go back to the very beginning, would you say 
that was where you kind of got your foot into kind of hospitality and kind of working in a restaurant? Uh, honestly, no, because my grandmother, my my uh, dad's mum, uh, uh, they had a hotel. Oh, okay. And uh, they had a pub and, and they worked in hospitality. So, and she was a real, um, uh, well, how would I put it? She was the hostess with the Moses kind of lady. She she yeah. was, it was very English kind of food, you know, at that time. Um but uh, it was her who really got me into it. And uh, my mum and dad um, had a nursing home and my mum was the matron of that home. And we had a chef there. His name, I can remember now, it was Mr. Gabriel. Wow. Uh, he, he is, right, Mr. Yeah. Gabriel, he made a big impression on me. And uh, he was just a little, I don't know, it sounds a bit weird, but exotic yeah. in terms of the way he cooked his style, and I suppose I really liked that enthusiasm. And I had a passion for cooking really, really young um, mm. and really enjoyed it. I don't think I was particularly good at it early on, but I became better at it as, as the yeah. years went on. And then, um, yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then my my mum was quite strict. Uh, uh, my parents were divorced and she said, you must get a job. So I was about 14 and she, yeah. 13 in fact, and she drove me around to lots of local places, go in there and see if they've got any washing up jobs. And yeah. You know, after a couple of rejections, I went into one, and the the Swedish lady I mentioned yeah. in in the thing you must have read, um, yeah. who was the head chef there um, and owner, she uh, gave me a job washing up. She uh, was extremely strict, and it was a time before dishwashers, put yeah. it that way. And uh, it was a really famous fish restaurant, and um, I guess it was kind of baptism by fire. But I loved it, and I got into it, yeah. became better at it quite quickly. And that was where it all began. Do you think from obviously seeing everything you do now, the work ethic is yeah. definitely there. Do you think from a young age, you, you had that drive or ambition? I think it's a familial thing. I think yeah. my my sister is the same. Yeah. We are quite driven. I think yeah. uh, uh, we we all work really, really hard. Uh, even my mum my only just retired just before um the pandemic she's 76 wow uh now and yeah. so so literally just retired and she was still running in a, a nursing home my dad still works he's 75 and what does he currently do now he was in spain has lived lived in spain yeah. for about 35 years uh he works in property yeah um so he still does that and Amazing, uh he has a horse um livery with my younger sister who lives there so um yeah, yeah, still working, still mucking out horses. I know my dad's stuff. still working like crazy hours. I keep telling him to calm down because like, I don't know, as you get older, like you never know. I mean, one day to the next kind of thing and you want to enjoy, enjoy it as well. But yeah. also you like to get nice things in life, like you've, you've got to put, put the hours in. Like. My dad's not one for relaxing, never yeah. has been. He likes to be working Busy, yeah. and I kind of, I'm the same. Even when, even on the rare occasion I do get holiday. Yeah. I have. Do you ever switch off completely? Or? Not no. completely. I I think I'd feel you know people. I know people who can go away from work, not look at emails. Mm. That, that would stress me more. I think. Oh, really? it would. Yeah, because anxiety I, by not I like know, checking I, it. Yeah. Yes, my anxiety would come from yeah, yeah. not knowing what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do. I mean, when I when I, it's been a while because obviously that I travel a lot because of yeah, yeah. my work. Do you enjoy not, traveling? Uh, or is it one of them you enjoyed it at the start, but the more you do it, it's, it becomes a bit like. <clears> 
Well, I suppose most the majority of the travel I do is 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 for business. Yeah. So either trade shows or seeing customers or and it sounds like I have this really amazing time because I'm flying here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. And yeah, and I suppose it's it's quite privileged that you know travel business class and all that kind of, kind of stuff. But you look at it more analytically. You look at the products on board. I think I, I look at it in a very different way to the way you would look at <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. So I look at the it, service, yeah. the interaction. You know, was my special meal that I yeah. pre-ordered delivered? And, and on, on, I've just come back from Toronto, as you probably know. Yeah. And um, my flight wasn't. My meal was not loaded, mm. and that's annoying. Yeah. You know? um, so I, I always carry snacks for flights. Yeah. Uh, just in case, because uh, it happens now and again. And uh, unfortunately, on this occasion, I won't name the airline. Yeah. But um, I mean, you can do if you want to. Right? No, because I kind of want them to be a customer. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to like, burn too many bridges like, with the podcast. So, yeah. And I flew with them because I wanted yeah. to see what it was like, the actual experience. Yeah. It took six emails, I think, to actually actually order the meal in the first place. Yeah. And then and then it wasn't, they, they, get, they loaded a vegan meal yeah. rather than a gluten free meal. So the vegan meal, which, which was not actually gluten-free either. Yeah. Um, so that was not. And the, and the crew were sort of mortified. And they were absolutely yeah. wonderful, I will say that, um, but, on this airline. Yeah. And, it, and I think we'll get to that later because I really want to talk about also the experience with like special meals. And like mm. some people might not even be aware what a special meal is if they yes, have an hour. Yeah. So great since that. I know you um, you went to Paris and you kind of studied that prestigious, prestigious cooking school. Uh, Cordon Bleu. Yeah. Yeah. How was that experience? Was that quite fun? Yeah, but I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. You know, it's... Um, did that set you up for life, do you think? I think I think it did. I think you learn foundation stuff that you don't get anywhere else. Yeah. And you... Um, uh, I think it builds a foundation of cooking. It's, obviously, it's very French style. Yeah. And food is evolved it isn't just French what did you nowadays. specialize in when you was younger did you specialize in it was yeah. i suppose you would say sauce i think you would call it now okay. sauce but you did kind of everything yeah butchery uh patisserie you did everything um kill it cook it eat it not the kill it bit yeah but you know all of that stuff and and you learn from peeling sacks and sacks and sacks upon sacks of potatoes yeah <laughs> and then cutting them in a million different ways uh, yeah. and you just l- learn yeah. the foundation stuff it doesn't make you a good chef but it makes you know the basics how old was you at the time it was quite young uh, early 20s yeah early 20s like mm. and then obviously you become um a chef where was the first gig after oh god i worked for green king oh really not flash at all yeah. no. is that the pub no. Pop chain, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, my hometown's Bresden Edmonds, oh, okay, in Suffolk, which is where Green King were based. Yeah, and they they had uh, um, a number of pubs called it was called the Forge Scheme. Yeah. So basically, where they took these really nice old pubs and shoved this enormous sort of I don't know if prefabricated or barn or whatever on the side. Yeah, they liked usually about 150 to 200 seats, and worked there. But it was super cooked by numbers. Yeah. And I didn't really enjoy it. Then I sort of came out of the kitchen and went front of house. I don't think, I think maybe from being there, I don't yeah. know. But they also, um, as, as, as my time went on there, I was there for a couple of years and they brought more and more frozen food in. Mm, so and yeah. it just really, you know, I didn't, I, well, I like cooking. I don't yeah. like 
defrosting and plunking <laughs> in a microwave kind of thing. Yeah, yeah just yeah, not yeah. my thing. Uh, I don't even eat ready meals, you know, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. just, just Same, not yeah. my thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously coming celiac. Mm. How long ago was this? I was, um, I was diagnosed, uh, 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I was, I was diagnosed with something else about 25. I was diagnosed with IBS when I was in my early twenties. Okay. I'd had issues, you know, yeah. down there. Um, and, uh, then I just was feeling really rough. I got this really weird rash, yeah. uh, uh, which I now know is, is, um, related to, um, celiac disease. And I went to the doctor maybe three times and they just sent me away with antihistamines. Oh, really? So it will clear yeah. up. It will clear It'll up. Fine, yeah. <laughs> it didn't clear <laughs> up. And, uh, and I asked Dr. Google, as you do. Yeah. Um, and, um, oh, well, I, and I had, I had a suspicion because yeah. all the symptoms I had. And uh, I phoned Celiac UK, in fact, because I said, I have, is there somebody I could talk to? And they were really, really good. And hence, I will always support them because yeah. I thought what they did was, for me personally, was really good. They said, you need to go and get this test and and, and the biopsy, which I did. Is it just a, a blood test? Or? So you have a blood test first. You have to yeah. continue eat, eating gluten, uh, which I was anyway. Yeah. Um, and um, then uh, you go for an endoscopy and they take a sample of um, your... Uh, gut to see if the villi which are the, the bits that flick out that absorb oh. your absorb nutrients in oh, your okay. body yeah. uh, are, are flat if you if you're if you're celiac so mine were flat as a pancake yeah. um uh, i also had um i also had to have my tonsils out uh, which when you're 40 isn't nice um and um just generally felt really it was the lethargy i just had no energy from yeah. being this energy workaholic person yeah. to just just being flat as a did pancake. it happen over a period or was it a bit like one week you just it, it became, yeah. became progressively worse yeah. the ibs thing was obviously related to one's bowel movements yeah nobody likes to talk about those things <laughs> but i think people should yeah and i think people Open should be more, I, yeah. it was not a nice conversation yeah, but yeah. it's an honest conversation and you know um you know, I was, I owned a contract catering company at, um, at the time when I, my symptoms became really, really bad. I think it was partly due to stress, partly due to um, just being really busy and, and and lots of business meal meetings where you're having meals with clients, yeah. that kind of thing. But, you know, being there and actually needing to run to the toilet and it mm. happens happening more and more and more. It's horrendous yeah. to manage and um, it just became worse and worse and... Anyway, got the diagnosis, and the only cure, as you know, for for celiac disease is is to you know, eliminate gluten uh, altogether. And whilst I knew about gluten, I was fairly, you know, uh, you know, I, I know yeah. food. What I didn't understand is the science that goes with cooking gluten free food and, and producing yeah. good results. There are loads of different people uh, cooking and uh, doing gluten free food, but you can't just substitute flour yeah. for a gluten-free flour. It just doesn't have the same results, doesn't work the same way. Well, the taste, isn't it? Or, Texture, no. taste, um, the hydration of those things. Yeah. It's just completely different. And that was a whole new thing. And being as nerd, I am super nerdy. Yeah, I, I know. You remember you saying this when we... And <laughs> I yeah. studied and studied and read and read and watched 
gazillion videos uh, yeah. from people who've been doing it for a while longer than me. And, you know, I yeah. learned some stuff. And uh, I, um, I think so, the business also attracts quite a few people who are um, – who have food allergies so yeah. we have quite a few working within the business now because i say that connection with celiac then brought mm. you closer to people with food allergies yes absolutely yeah. and one of the ladies who um works with us now her name's helen uh, she's our product development yeah. manager about to go on maternity leave uh, but she worked for us at the restaurant when she was a student in london yeah. and then she went to ireland to do her master's in food science and then worked for B3. And then when we, when we opened the factory in the UK, she came over and yeah, yeah. Came to head, head that up. But I learned a lot from her. Um, she'd never had gluten her whole life. Yeah. Uh, so her perspective was very different. I've got a very good memory on how food tastes. I know what a real croissant should taste yeah. like. So when they fobbed me off on these yeah. horror shows of hard, yeah. hard um, disasters, they're just not the same. Yeah. So my thing and i think my business partner as well well we were very scared when we opened the restaurant for example of not alienating the clients we or the customers we already had, had yeah so if we're going to do something we want to make it the idea was gluten-free but you wouldn't know it yeah and i think if we evolve the restaurant further which we hope to it will become uh, um uh free from dining i think because we've we've become more allergy conscious generally we are now also tree nut and peanut and sesame free but we also have reduced uh, we have very little milk in the business so there's a couple of products which have yeah. milk in it but obviously many celiacs are allergic to milk as well yeah um so those things have become more conscious you just become more conscious of those things when you meet people yeah. like you yeah did it start off as a bakery is that correct that's right yeah so i the reason that i i probably got so sick because i was stuffing yeah. stuffing my face <laughs> every day <laughs> I, I mean it was bad Enjoyed it, yeah. it was bad i was so fat yeah. and, and they was uh, gluten free they was gluten free as well no it was just normal oh right oh it was wow. a normal okay. we had an overnight baker we had all the breads and all that sort of stuff yeah. on display i was shoving them down my gullet like like it was going out of fashion yeah. no wonder obviously so it obviously made it acute and uh but that's that's how I um so started. And then now with the restaurant, like, like I said, I have a severe nut allergy. Mm -hmm. It's got no nuts or peanuts in the establishment. Not at all. Yeah. No, no. And we did have, I have to say, we we because obviously one of the substitutes for flour is almonds, um, well, ground almonds or yeah. almond flour, as they call it in some places. Um, so we had to extract all the every nut, scrub the place over, yeah, test it. And that's what we've done. Yeah. Our factory was has never had nuts in it. So. In regards to then the supplies, then how's that experience been with you? Obviously, to reduce any risk of any kind of cross contamination. So when we set up the restaurant, we had some experience. You know, where at that time there weren't. You know, now you go to a supermarket, you see loads of gluten free stuff. Not necessarily all good, but you see lots of gluten free stuff. Yeah. It wasn't the same then. So we really had to go out of our way to find suppliers um, that did the gluten free thing so we had some experience from that but then we we went nut uh nut free and and uh peanut and tree nut free and sesame free um we ha really had to uh work hard with our yeah. supply chain to do that. And, and ultimately we're a fresh food we, we make everything within our business so that's really good we have a couple of people who make having said that we do have a couple of people who make some bread for us but everything else we make within our yeah. business um 
So that's easier. But the other bit was uh, with uh, in the pandemic, as you probably know, the Natasha's law um, came in, came yeah. came out, and uh, suppliers then started to put may contain or like a blanket uh, statement, blanket statements yeah. on on stuff. So, f- for example, we had to bring in spice grinders. So sp- lots of spices that you might find in your own cupboard uh, would have may contain or made in the kitchen that also handles XXX. Yeah. Um, and we, we just prohibit those. So we had to buy spice grinders, a separate spice grinder for um, mustard when we do mustard. Yeah. And, but actually there's been double, A, it's cheaper. B, you get a much nicer product because if you grind fresh spice. You're saying to me to get one off yeah, Amazon. Get one. Yeah, get honestly, one. Like, make a difference, it your yeah. birthday present or Christmas present. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. They're not expensive and yeah. they really do make a difference. And if you buy spices whole and, and then grind them and then heat them up, yeah, they're really nice. Yeah. I know you've kind of written about like empathy before in mm-hmm. regards to if they don't have an allergy. How do you teach the staff that? Or do you have training? Like, I just thought it was quite interesting, you know, <laughs> if they don't have that connection to maybe celiac or allergies. How yeah. do you teach that? Well, in the airline uh, yeah. industry or travel industry magazine I write for, I wrote a piece on empathy and it, it came from, um, I suppose, uh, when we sell into an airline, most people who are actually choosing the special meals that go on board often don't even try them mm. uh, and really don't understand allergies themselves often yeah. and do it, f- choose based on the look uh, of the food rather than what it's actually trying to achieve, i.e. is it safe? For that passenger to to eat, and and so I wrote a piece uh, about empathy, explaining you know uh, you know I and I would say it's true of all of us in some measure because when I before I was celiac myself I didn't have the empathy I thought I was the you know um, when people used to come to the restaurant and I was being door bitch you say and they they say oh, I've got such and such an allergy so yeah. I think I'm like oh god. Uh, but now I'm on the opposite yeah. side of that. And I think um, I, I think differently. I think I, I, I want our business to be the friendly face of yeah. and I want to educate. I always think when you have that, like when they've got that personal connection and they've got a friend or a yes. family member, they just get it. Whereas like yes. you say, sometimes if they don't, then it's just like uh, you've got to really explain how this is. When people are advocating for their own allergy, yeah, people, th- people uh, think that, they're just being difficult. I, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think as somebody who say, I'm no longer apologetic. Yeah. If I go to a restaurant and there's like one thing I can eat and I don't want to eat it, I won't eat there. Yeah. Simple as that. I do go out less as a consequence. I will say that. Um, but I'm also not prepared. If I, if I am gluten, and it happens so rarely now, I'm very, very sick. Yeah. Uh, I suppose not eating gluten at all for so Is many it like years. Vomiting. Cause I, I remember I worked with a girl who's see, I didn't know mm. anything about it. And, um, yeah, she violently gets, she can't go into work. Like, yes. Yeah, same. Yeah. Blo- the bloating is horrible. Lost for two weeks. Um, but yes, it's graphic. I won't go into it, but it's graphic. Yeah. It's a graphic experience. Painful. Um, does this, it, does it, it just, like, um, it's upsetting cause you feel like, yeah, oh, I'm God. trying to think how she explained it. Like, is it like, um, yeah, she not burns the inside. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Um, I think every, everyone is everyone is different because yeah. um, I will tell a, a secret story that 
Helen, who I mentioned earlier, our product development manager and myself, um, have had developed or have been developing a puff pastry, a really good one, not one like you buy in the supermarket, one that actually works. We're doing it for a long, long, long time. We had it made by a, a partner and both of us within half an hour, me first, were really, really, really sick. And what we found out is this person had used a rolling machine that had flour, normal flour dust on oh. it. So it wasn't yeah. like proper, it yeah. wasn't like even full ingestion. It was the dust from this thing. But um, Helen was vomiting. I was the other way. And this was a su- supplier. This was a supplier oh who, uh, who yeah. um, was, it, yeah. well, let's say it's no longer a supplier. You're no longer working with, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God, um, yeah. And we were both really, really unwell. Yeah. And it, what, I suppose it's really annoying when you get sick because you work really, really hard and consciously eat so you are not sick. So when you are, it's kind of yeah. upsetting. I, I mean, I think Helen was more upset than I was, but I was, I was, um, I was angry. Yeah. I, my reaction was angry. I think she felt angry yeah. too. And we are, I think, um, empathy, which is your original question, I think is, um, just not there people just do not have it i don't think you can teach it either you can yeah. try and explain what an allergy was allergy is think about it try and get people to think about it as if it was someone they love or care yeah. about and then people may have a, a little more empathy but i honestly um i'm not sure apart from perhaps a sten gun how you get yeah, the message, yeah. message across the thing i'm the same as you like if they don't understand it i just walk out that restaurant like why yeah. should i risk my life for someone and there was one experience we went to like it was mini golf but it had um swing what, swingers what? in london mini golf yeah no the mini mini golf swingers in london but it's got food establishments inside okay so it's like a crazy golf course like loads of different kind of courses but then there's, <laughs> there's, there's yeah you'll be there next week <laughs> there's like four different kind of food outlets um and one of them was um it was like a burger restaurant and basically i said oh, i've got an allergy menu and i was looking for the allergy menu like no nuts but for whatever reason i just went on my phone and went on the actual website of this establishment and went and they had an allergy menu online like a pdf and it had may contain um peanuts and like the dish and all the dishes so i was like why is it not on the actual allergy menu and um so i shouted over and i was like this allergy menu doesn't say anything about nuts but then on the allergy menu and i brought up my phone i said everything says may contain peanuts um and she was like oh yeah like sorry about that and it's just like just like she kind of like shrugged her shoulders and then, was and that she, a manager or staff member? Um, that was the, the that wasn't the manager, and she was like, "Oh, it's only traces." A response was, "So I saw Ooh. red." Here we go. Like, so I I saw red, and I was like, "You could have killed me tonight." Blah blah blah. Um, I want to speak to your floor manager. Then the floor manager finally come over, and I kind of told him. Um, he was really nice, actually. Kind of resolved the issue. Then I followed up with the email. They said they've, they've changed it since, but. Yeah, he went all the way to the top, actually. He went to like one of the, the kind of directors and he, he was really apologetic. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show like sometimes like you've got to go with that gut feeling. I'll just make sure the information is correct. Imagine having an allergy menu and it wasn't up to date. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think now in my past, I was always, always prefer independence. I always prefer independent restaurants yeah. over chain restaurants. But yeah. actually... On average, the chain restaurants 
probably have better training within them. Yeah. And there are a couple of chains that I will go to as opposed to others because I know from experience that I've not been ill from them. Yeah. But uh, when when um, I was in Canada, our partners uh, there took us out this, this was only last week before last, and they took us to a Thai restaurant, their favourite Thai restaurant. Yeah. And the, the guy who came, who owned it came over and chatted to them. He's obviously been to their 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 you know however many times, and he said, "Oh yeah, we do gluten free. We do gluten free," yeah, yeah. and um, I ate a little bit of something and I just knew immediately straight away yeah yeah I'm not eating anymore and I you know I didn't have much at all less than a teaspoon but I had bloat belly for the entire time I was there and for two weeks even yeah. now have, have it just from that I was just and I didn't eat anything not, else yeah, they were upset because I wasn't eating anything I said I don't feel safe I'm sorry yeah um you know like this this uh, place it looked i mean i thought it looked dodgy from the outside to be fair but um <laughs> yeah one inside <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really bad because like we'll, we'll go on holiday and she'll walk into a restaurant and i walk in and look around and i'm like no i'm not eating it <laughs> she's like not even what's in the menu i'm like no it's like she goes mad like because i just say i have this like gut feeling it's like a spidey senses i walk in there like no i'm not too sure like, yeah i felt i, I think yeah. i'm the same and and i just don't want to be ill it's as simple as that yeah and sometimes you seek out the, the gluten-free places and often they're just not very good yeah and uh you know, with your restaurant it's 100 percent credited for being gluten-free yeah, as well yeah, yeah. i forgot yeah. to mention that before yeah, yeah. celiac uk yeah um but we went to um i've been to lots of gluten-free places and some are really really good and i watched yeah. i watched lots of the blogs you know uh um i love becky xl and and lots of the people who do them um uh because they're they're called kind of down to earth, and this is yeah. where I go and everything else. And I use them in 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 researching places. I tend to look for more the fine dining end, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it's really interesting to see how you say fine dining is, is better than no worse. Oh, I see. I don't. I've not, I say I've not ate. I've had one or two Michelin star, and they they they've been great, like amazing. Yeah. Some are some are really really good, but, but some that's interesting. Consciously, that, consciously, yeah. and it's their right to refuse. And I think that's I'd rather know that. Yeah. yeah. So if I know that, I, I okay, fair enough. I understand. As somebody who is a food person, you know, yes, you want to be inclusive, but if the inclusivity takes away what you do and you're not good at cooking that stuff, why would you? So I yeah. kind of get that. But uh, there are plenty of mission star places or fancy places that do do really good job. Yeah. Um, I um, is there any countries in particular where they've they've really got it nailed down, or is it is it no? No, I think nowhere in particular. I think yeah. um, I've not been, but apparently Israel's really good for gluten free. Um, I'd like to go there. Um, I my dad lives in Spain, as I said, so there's lots of places there I go to, and actually. Um, I just wrote a piece for the magazine on, you know, on on eating out in Madrid. Yeah, and there's there's um, lots of places there, lots and lots of places. And that's really good. And, I, and when I go to my dad's, there's a place in Marbella we go to every single time, and yeah. it's uh, uh, Celioloso. It's 100 celiac approved in the same way. We are really nice. Yeah. Uh, you just feel safe. It's good. Have you ever been asked to then sign? A waiver because yes. I know I've been asked obviously having a food yes. allergy get us a waiver and what's your experience been with that? It just gets my back up immediately. Yeah, yeah same, man. 
I know. I, I know. I shouldn't be bothered by it, but it does. Can, I, can I say piss me off? Yeah, you can uh, do whatever you want. <laughs> in the Sorry, um, but I, I, um, when the when the Canadian partners were over in the UK, near the factory, the only place I think I could think of going to that was near where they were staying, and on my way back was uh, a chain. Uh, I won't say the name, should I, or not? Is it um, you? Yeah, yeah. Was Miller and Carter? So we went there. And I thought, well, steak, it'll be safe. Jacket potato, that should be fine. Yeah. And um, they have a gluten-free menu, which they give you, which is great. Um, and, uh, but as soon as I said, uh, yeah, she goes, anyone with any allergies? And I said, <laughs> yes, I, I, I'm, I'm celiac. And right. And she went, she had this like iPad thing to take the orders. And she read, and she read through this. I must ask you to, to read this and sign this. <laughs> I said, "Is this a disclaimer?" Yeah. And and she said, "Yes." And uh, and my guests, obviously, both living in Canada, never, ever, ever seen this before. And they were like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> like it was like, "What's going on here?" Um, and and uh, I said, "Well, they want to absolve themselves of responsibility just in case they gluten me." And, well, supposedly, uh, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Absolutely yeah. not. No, it's not. You have the same consumer rights as anybody else. Uh, they can say that they made all um, all necessary um, precautions. You, you, they can say they can state that, but ultimately, your rights as a consumer remain the same. And you, if you were to get sick, you could ask for proof of how they managed the yeah. food and food deliver from delivery to ending up on your plate. Um, you can ask for that information, not that you necessarily get it, but yeah. you know. Um, there is, there is, but there are more and more restaurants, as you probably know, just not doing allergy stuff at all, and that's increased, especially post pandemic, and 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 actually with the introduction of Natasha's law, there's a massive percentage which wasn't yeah. up to scratch, where they are, they're still just carrying on the same. Yeah, and it's often from ingredients. Yeah. It's not entirely their fault. It's because lots of suppliers within the restaurant industry or hospitality industry have now introduced the may contain or yeah. alibi labelling. Um, which obviously means it's not safe. And therefore, a restaurant doing the right thing is saying, actually, no, I can't guarantee it. And maybe they were before. So lots yeah. of, lots of, but it's probably good in the long term. And restaurants will just need to learn how to manage that yeah. and how to buy uh, from sources that you can rely on that don't mix everything up and, and are prepared to say, yeah. this is, uh, you know, gluten-free or a nut-free or a whatever free product um i think it is uh and, and product can change from one week to the next as well because they might go through a different supply chain or yeah so uh, there needs to be constantly up to date with absolutely, updating yeah. all these kind of yeah. the labeling on each of the different kind of products like yeah because i i never used to i've never used to eat food from a cafe anyway i don't think i i'm not a cafe or like um say a prep for example but yeah, it's just even now I it's got the label in like, but I just don't trust it. You still hear all these kind of horror stories of someone else died recently because it, I think it contained yogurt or or milk with it. And yes. It wasn't labeled clearly. Like. That's right. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I before before I was celiac, I would have a sandwich at Pret. Yeah. Um, now I wouldn't go anywhere near it. It's no, just no. I have coffee from there. That's about it. Yeah. Um, even that I'm on edge like, I get back Americana I'm like looking over like no definitely no milk like no kind of yeah. hazelnut well, syrup well, they, they just said they don't have nut milk but I know they've got the hazelnut syrups 
So yeah, I can't do annoying, yeah. oats. They use, I believe oat they milk, use yeah, oat, yeah, oat milk. Yeah. So oats affect quite a, quite a number of celiacs. In fact, in in other there are many other countries where mm-hmm. nut, uh, oats are not considered gluten free at all. Whether regardless of whether they say gluten free on the label or otherwise, they affect many celiacs in the same way as gluten does. They do me. I've never been able yeah. to tolerate them. Um, so that's uh, interesting, but. But there are those that sandwich chain is is particularly notorious because of uh, yeah. uh, Natasha's law, in fact. But um, there are many, 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 sadly, examples of of inst- instances of cafes, restaurants, airlines where they've just not done the right thing. Yeah, yeah. And really, to talk about obviously the airline industry, you mm. work with over seventy five um, advising seventy five different airlines. No, I used to work for a company that. Oh, handled that. Oh. Obviously, it doesn't have quite that number yet, but we're, we're getting there. We get it. But um, but no, I thought it was amazing to kind of get your experience on that um, and kind of um, how did you kind of fall into that? So um, I sold uh, my contract business. We had niche, and I needed. I was on a restrictive covenant in terms of what I was allowed to do. Yeah. So um, I, w- I was headhunter for the role and went to work for. Uh, um, a company called Alpha LSG, initially opening their premium kitchen at just near Heathrow, okay. which was, I think it's one of the largest kitchens in the UK. It has oh. a halal kitchen, a non-halal kitchen, and a logistics centre, and a, and a centre of culinary excellence, which was uh, with presentation rooms. It was very, very flashy and, and, yeah. and very nice. And the business was trying to be more, have a more culinary focus and, and brought in some new people to do that. Um, so that's how I kind of got into it. Uh, I'd only really touched before on sort of private jet stuff where you just supply glorified sandwich boxes, really. Is um, that what it is? Well, that was n- nicer sandwiches. Well, yeah. nice sandwiches and you know, some posh yeah, meals, do, but yeah, yeah generally the duration of flight's quite short with them. But um, uh, with the airline industry, it was baptism by fire and, and being the nerdy person I am, I wanted to know everything. Yeah. So I did everything from flight loading, unloading, you know, every single facet of that business I wanted to understand. Yeah. And I think it was a it was a massive uh, privilege to be able to see so many airlines, you know, their culture. They're all different. Uh, they all some of them think they're the best in the world. Some of them are incredibly arrogant, mm. and some of them are just really human and normal and nice to work with. And they they mu- they understand that you, yeah. because of what you see and do, have more experience than they do. I remember reading um, Sir Richard Branson's book, and he's saying how British Airways tried like taking the customers mm. and like up to all these like really bad tricks. Yes. Like, yes. Which um, they end up getting gone to court for. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, they, like many others, they've evolved. The pe- people who ran that business then are not the people who run yeah, it now. Yeah, And uh, equally, Virgin is not the same business as it was then as okay, it is now. Yeah. I mean, they, everything evolves a little bit, um, or a lot. Uh, but uh, both both airlines have their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And, and I think um, they are all trying to do the right thing. Um, and they all recognise there's a problem with special meals. And if you is want it, to go, it counts up to is it twenty percent now of it, meals up, on airlines? Up to uh, yeah. more. It depends what you include. So special meals, special meals came were were came into the airline industry about 30, 35 years ago this year, and they uh, span allergies, medical meals, um, religious meals. And what they call lifestyle meals. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they include children as well. And um, there are 
up to 75 of them, which is a lot. And they all go with a four-letter uh, four, um, code. So GFML is a gluten-free meal. Okay. Um, and a NLML is a no-lactose meal. And PML, no peanut meal. Yeah. Um, but they were written at a time which is not now. 35 years ago, things have changed. Things have evolved. Um, they were they were in, invented, if you like, by IATA, who the company you see on your TV ad saying who ensure your holiday if the yes, airline goes yeah. bust or something like that. Um, and they but they have no governance over them now, so they haven't governed them for, or, or for years. So airlines have broadly. I was done reading their own about thing. that, yeah, because I remember you, you sent over that PDF and I was mm. given that reading. A lot of them are not governed. They've all got their own. Um, um, yeah. policies in some way and do their own thing and mostly they do i mean mostly they follow the same sort of uh thing there have been many organizations try to re-establish them often for their own ends to to serve the caterers but generally not serve people with food allergies yeah. and they don't they really don't so often on those meals even on the gluten-free meal you'll see may contains mm-hmm. In fact, I on a recent flight, I had the same thing. So I, w- I won't eat it. I just won't. I just don't eat airline food now. I, I just, yeah. I've just got so no, so much like anxiousness now when I, yeah. when I get on flight anyway than the thought of like eating food. So I always kind of like go yeah. to W.H. Smith and get the plainest sandwich or actually just bring me own sandwich on board if I can. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. And and uh, so we, we offer a guaranteed, because the passenger is the person who opens it. So there's no touch point between our factory and the passenger eating the meal. So ours are allergen guaranteed provided it's the passenger who opened them but airlines take some persuading to move mm. over to that because they see it from an aesthetic point of view well it doesn't look as nice as being on a plate I, the allergy person doesn't give yeah, a shit yeah. they want to be safe and they want to you know not have to worry yeah. about even the taste sometimes dying. as long as i know it's safe and like uh, it's gonna get me by if i'm on a, a long haul flight I'm, I'm the taste is good obviously yeah, yeah. but but ultimately you want something that is safe to eat yeah um and has um, it been really hard then to like push these these ideas through kind of it has been ones, challenging yeah. more and more are coming on board now so it's, it's really good because there's yeah. a there's been a wake-up call in the industry since natasha's law came out yeah. and europe europe is moving to the same sort of allergen rules yeah. uh in america they're increasing um uh, the allergens and the fda in america who govern um the laws around food yeah. have just uh put up just putting in the law that requires all ingredients to be listed because that wasn't a requirement in america Oh, really? until now in fact so what about the uk is that already that, no that's already that, that, that was Natasha's, a, yeah. that was announced in 2015 and went into force in 2017 so where you have to list all the ingredients uh, that so we used to have literally do a ream of paper going onto each flight yeah. which had all the allergy information I'm, I'm not sure how well that's been kept up but you know it's probably more electronic now yeah but um america's only just coming onto that now which is it's great yeah. it's progress whatever it is it's progress with the nut thing in america it's a slightly different game altogether yeah because it was it i know we when we spoke on the zoom like leanne obviously has pushed through the policy where you can kind of board early That's right. on flights in the u.s yeah so she, leanne mendelbaum is the lady no nut traveler and yeah. i i interviewed her i think a year ago for um a presentation i was doing at the world travel show uh about you know food, food allergies and managing yeah. them on board because she is you know she's she's a vocal lady she's yeah. very new york i think she's wonderful yeah and she um 
takes testimony from people who've had experiences on board, good, bad and ugly. And she has them all on her website. And she campaigned with FAIR in America to to take serious food allergies as a disability. So with that right, anyone with a severe food allergy can pre-board the aircraft to, to wipe down their seats and, you know, where they're sitting and the window ledge and the, and the mm. seat pocket and the screen and whatever else anyone may have touched um, to uh, to remove that uh, allergen. And, um, but she speaks, you know, she's vehement on the subject mm. and um, she's she's an advocate for people with severe knowledge because her son has a severe yeah. allergy, which it's come from somewhere, again, personal. And uh, she's had some shocking experiences on board aircraft. And, you know, the, the simple fact is most American airlines, not all, but still serve big bowl of nuts when you get on board. And whether or not they will not serve those nuts is almost like warfare. It's it's horrendous. Yeah, because when I, when I got on a Ryanair flight, I, I mentioned that I've, I've got an allergy and kind of board early to wipe the surfaces and said, yeah. And they put me through mm. in front of everyone. Like, but I did feel a bit weird, not weird, but like, you know, because obviously have an allergy isn't visible thing no like but i'm glad i did it like i'm glad you need to wear a special badge like the autistic (laughs) children you know um (laughs) it it is um it is difficult and and i think people will have obviously abused that of course they will yeah and that's a shame but you know ultimately well i i I, I do it now because i was on a fight in croatia where i didn't clean the surfaces and i had allergic reaction on my arm like come out in all hives and it was it was really bad and because I was in a rush, I didn't have the antihistamine with me. It was in the suitcase. Oh, no. So I had a right panic. But luckily, the air hostess... You told me this, the cabin crew. Yeah, yeah the yeah, cabin crew nice. had the uh, the lowest today, which is like... That's really cool. So lucky in that situation. But yeah. I think that in, in the UK and Europe, we are much luckier. We've, we've, we have the allergen law. They have to list the... They yeah. have to list the allergens, the 14 allergens, they have to list ingredients so you can make it informed. You can be allergic to th- things outside the top 14. So it's really important that you know what is in your food. Then you're making, if you put choose to put that in your mouth, you are making an informed decision. I think, I think I do think allergy people have to take accountability a little bit. But if they do everything they can and then it, it goes wrong, then they should speak up because it's not just them, it can affect others as well. Yeah. And I know on like the, the long haul flights outside of the UK, mm-hmm. that with the EpiPens, if they don't have a doctor on board, is that correct? Is that they can't administer it? In Europe, most yeah. airlines have EpiPens on board. Outside Europe, and not all European airlines, they carry epinephrine uh, in vials. But obviously a child dose of epinephrine and an adult dose is quite a different thing. Yeah, And the cabin crew are not allowed to administer them. So I don't, I don't want to give you more anxiety, but um, so they have to call for a medical professional on board. And, you know, chances are there may be somebody who can, you know, yeah. uh, an injection, but who in the, in the case of an emergency, okay, let me work out the dosage and uh, of yeah, this thing according panic, to your age. Yeah. You know, this person is literally fighting for, yeah. for breath and you're going down some, some sheet in some mystery kit you've never seen before in your life um, Un, undoing trying all the plastic out, wrappers yeah. and and tr- trying to work out the dosage of epinephrine yeah. with the saline solution or whatever it is they dilute it with 
to stick into somebody. It's it's just ridiculous. ridiculous so yeah. I believe they all airlines should carry epinephrine and in fact i think their entire medical kit yeah. should be auto injectors not just for epinephrine to be honest yeah i think uh, if you're carrying life-saving emergency medication it should all be in auto injector format yeah um and because you know now things could be done by wi-fi if saving a person's life uh, um and you can have a video showing you when when the when in, its, in the case of absolute emergency, when you have to do something drastic, uh, then a person could literally yeah. talk you through it. I wonder what the percentage of people getting on flights with NRCs are injected. Like, I would think like at least one person in that flight would, fingers crossed, know how to kind of use it in that situation. Um, I, I'm not sure because yeah. not, not even people who are supposed to know don't always know. Yeah. And uh, it is interesting. I mean... Uh, you know, you should do it in, the, in one leg, then you should do it in the opposite leg if you yeah, have yeah. to give a second injection. There's a few things people just don't seem to know. Yeah. And, uh, but cabin crew should all know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I kind of want to get your thoughts on like the, the buffer zone. I know we've, we've spoke <gasps> oh. about this as well and that like some airlines are literally, yeah. I mean, how uh, stupid. Whose yeah, silly idea was that? Yeah. Uh, the air circulated. So the air is circulated. They have so, yeah. HEPA filters, which is yeah. what they'll tell you. But, to what particular level yeah. and actually it's been proven that nut can get through there's been many you get yeah. the nut industry arguing the opposite but ultimately you can still get an allergy and as we know there have been cases yeah. where somebody was 11 rows away somebody was 14 rows away yeah. where a person still got sick yeah um, it's, or, it's an interesting because i spoke to george detite about this and he says the studies show because i said if, I, if i'm on a train and someone's eating nuts in front of me mm -hmm. What's the chances of, of me having an allergic reaction? You said there's been studies and it's actually quite slim, but then you hear about these stories. Not to go against his yeah. word, but like it like it does it does happen. So it, yeah. even knowing that, like it still puts puts me on edge. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean uh, <laughs> human life is the most important thing on earth. Yeah. We we believe as humans. And for me, uh if you save one human life you, by not having nuts on board an aircraft for, you know, 12 hours maximum, 14 hours maybe, you can live with that. People used to smoke on, 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 Planes, on, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe they'll invent a patch for nuts, nut flavor or a nut flavor patch or something yeah. like they do. Maybe that's your nuts this, um, business venture, eh? Right, yeah. well, well, an idea. Yeah. I wonder if that can be done. Um, but I think, isn't it a ridiculous argument? Yeah. It's so ridiculous uh, that you can't get an alternative snack uh, on board just to, just to eliminate it. It's not a big deal. When people book, people, I mean, I wrote you a No Nuts article as you read, and there are many spurious arguments about, um, well, we're denying our customers their rights uh, in some some places, like they're so vehement about it. It's like you're taking yeah. their gun away from them or something. It's ridiculous. It's mad, yeah. And I just think I have research and sadly there have been many deaths on board due to anaphylaxis over the last 10 years and it's increased so i think an airline not addressing it in some measure they are being complicit in not protecting their customers i think that 
every school in the UK and most in Europe now don't allow nuts into the school, peanuts particularly, yeah. and tree nuts, into the schools. If kids can manage it for a school day, yeah. isn't it ridiculous that yeah. an adult, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, you didn't get your peanuts, sir. Yeah, yeah um, like a two halfway. Oh, what? No, it doesn't matter really how long. You no, know it I mean? doesn't. It's, yeah. it's just so silly. Um, there are many other snacks. Be a bit more creative. We've thrown tons out there of diff, you know, different premium snacks. Yeah. And I totally get it why they were considered a premium snack in the 1950s, 60s, 70s. You know, still at Christmas, yeah. people bring them out, you know, being there. Oh, it must be a nightmare for yeah. you. Uh, being out there. Yeah, no digging. fun with parties. So no funny parties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they bring out the old walnuts and the yeah. nutcrackers and all the rest of it. But um, so I, I totally get why they are considered a premium snack. But I just think... It's tricky. Knock it out. Yeah, it's tricky because I, I know the kind of the World um, Algae Organization strongly recommends like they should ban nuts and mm. all fights, but it, it just seems so hard to get every airline on board of that. I know we kind of ban nuts, but I think we're lucky in the UK. The UK airlines all have some um, measures in place yeah. to to uh, manage people who have a nut allergy. They, they make the announcement, but as you know, they, even when they make that announcement, do everything right. It's passengers as well so i think um when you book a flight you should when you say click to pay click to do this click for your luggage or whatever it is you have to do yeah you should also click to say do not bring nuts snacks on board click you accept it it should be announced at the gate this is a no smoking flight so they acknowledge the fact that they've understood it because it yes. annoys me when you get in a flight where they do the announcement and some are great like the uk flight right yeah. now really good they do like three four different announcements mm-hmm. as a fight goes on um, however, like sometimes if they only do one announcement, then there's a couple of airlines that now automated those announcements on board. So oh, that's wow, really that's impressive. Amazing, yeah. yeah, I think that's really, really great progress. Yeah. And there are some airlines, we're working with some of them, who really, really do take special meals seriously, particularly the allergen ones. And I think I it's going to take a bit of trust, I think, with the, with the special meal for allergies. I think, I think if they yeah. get good results, yeah. and I think that... Um, it makes people feel safe. And and ultimately, one of the things Leanne said to me, and she's quite right, of course, well, if you trust an airline because their special meals are safe for you to eat, you will pay over and over and above mm. to continue to fly with that airline because you know they're doing yeah. the right thing. And allergy community is not small. It's just not small. Same they have the rest- friends. They have family. Yeah, same with the restaurants as well. I did an yeah. Instagram store and I said, if you've had a good experience, would you go back to the same restaurant? And 60 or 70, I think it's higher than that, 70% said, yeah. So they're going to keep going to that restaurant if they've mm. had a good experience. Like, why would they eat somewhere else when they know that this restaurant's at the allergy really serious rather than go to a restaurant where they don't know they're going to take it serious or there's chances of like cross-contamination. I, I, absolutely right. And I think that... Um, in our restaurant, many of our customers over the 10 years, one of the reasons we're full quite a lot of the time is because people don't even know. People yeah. are sometimes oblivious to the fact, oh, oh, was it gluten-free? Okay, yeah. brilliant. I didn't know that. And they didn't know because, it, yeah, no. yeah, it's incredible. And uh, I think that's the way to try and do it. But many people, like people who cook normal food, who don't really understand gluten-free, don't know how to cook it well. Mm. There is, I, I mean, I, I can... I can put that to the test in so many places. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, and there's an arrogance around chefs. I can do gluten-free. It's, no, it's yeah. nothing. Um, okay, make me this, make do me it, this, yeah. make me this. Let's see. Like lead. Lead. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how you're, you've taught your personal experiences and then you've actually like 
obviously create businesses around it. Show you what a completely selfish person I really <laughs> must be. <laughs> Um, is it, but is, is that how your mind works? Is it is it always like how I can kind of solve a problem? I think uh, it's like what would be a business solution for this problem? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, I mean, where do you start? Right? Do you start with uh, on paper? Or is it a business plan? Or when when you have this idea? Um, I suppose I talk about it with lots of people, and it takes. Sometimes it takes it's, it has to fester away for quite a while in my head um, for it to come to fruition. Yeah. But as I think I told you, we've just launched a well, we were running the brand for a while, but we have a brand called Cub Food, which is a free from brand for children, which we already have on airline. We uh, we do private healthcare, so it's going into some private healthcare. Um, but we want to launch uh, the meals and some other products into retail, premium retail again. Yeah. Only um, to start with, and um, uh, I thought, what isn't it stupid that there's no free from brands for children? I can't, I can't believe it. There's a three hundred percent rise in child food allergies in the last two years. Unbelievable, unprecedented mm. rise in allergies, and there's nothing. Nobody doing anything. Yeah, yeah. How stupid! So I want to create a brand that people know, trust, will love. We're working very hard to make the brand come yeah. to life. Um, he's a character. There's a bunch of, st- we've got Cub Club, which has, uh, um, we'll have a load of stories to teach other kids to be empathetic about their friends and how to look after them. Amazing. Um, and I feel strongly about it. I think yeah. it's something that we, if we can teach our children and then um, they know better. I mean, my, my son. Yeah. Uh, what kind of food is it for about- kids? Exactly. It's. Um, so obviously the airline stuff yeah. is like a hot meal. Uh, we just do hidden veg, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. the secret's there, that kind of thing. We pl- it's playful. Yeah. Um, but it's it's free of uh, gluten, milk, uh, tree nuts, peanuts and sesame. Amazing. And, you know, many other things as well. Um, and it's familiar food, uh, sometimes with the volume turned up. But, you yeah. know, children have very um, sensitive palates. So things that are bitter like we might like like broccoli for example yeah. can be very bitter to a child so we've worked to make the food really palatable meat nutritional values low salt do you have to do like trials with, with yeah we kids? did yeah yeah i think I, I, we did a big kids party on saturday lunch, yeah. um how was that was it success it was <laughs> it, children are so honest aren't they yeah they don't like something they don't like it this is yeah like, they yeah. really are and I best mean, feedback though isn't it like, it's brilliant yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant so we had um uh 10 kids uh five to 10 years old we did it like a kids party so we had parcel the parcel yeah. we had the freeze or statues game we had uh you know lots of different things and they they loved it and uh we did um the food in different sort of sessions and we did some cold food which they weren't that keen on a couple of things so we've made changes as a consequence of that uh but they loved all the hot foods we had some ready meals that we would serve both on board and uh um in retail and in healthcare actually and then we had 
uh, was really funny. I said, you're going to be trying this, 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 this. And, oh, and there's pizza as well. They goes, yeah, yeah like, this is a massive yeah. cheer for pizza. Uh, and you realise, oh, well, that's what they like. Yeah. And so there's no point giving kids what they don't like, but you can hide the veg in the tomato sauce. You yeah, can do yeah, all sorts yeah, yeah. of stuff to make it a little bit more interesting. And that product was vegan and none of them even knew. Yeah, none of them, none knew. Of them knew. Yeah. So it was really good. But we did ready meals. We did hot snacks and stuff that we regenerates well on both the plane and yeah. and at home and the feedback was really excellent yeah. really excellent and the definitely from the parents as well imagine they're, they're yeah brand. i only know about one but i know it's not out yet so i don't want to say it on the podcast but yeah only one other kids brand um i think it's based towards infants so. yeah there's an infant's yeah. one there is an infant's one yeah uh but there are not many like fully fledged brands that yeah going out there case and i want to come come create this familiarity that you can see it in the supermarket, you can get it on a plane. Ah, okay, that's safe. And every kid can create, every kid can eat it. It's building like a brand story, isn't it? Like some yeah. which aligns like, and all these different kind of like touch points. Yes. And, stuff. and I think building a character is a great idea. Do you yes. work with like different ad agencies then? No, think, no. Just not to, yet. Yeah. All no, right, it's cool, all, yeah. all in-house at the moment, but we have... Uh, How many people have you got in-house then at the minute? Got quite a few. About 50. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. but not all that. I mean, that's everybody. That's everybody, yeah, 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 yeah. in the business. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people. Um, but that's expanding quite quickly yeah. as well. So yeah. it's exciting. It's exciting. So apart from the, that brand, is it what, what would you say your, your goals, ambitions you've got like in this coming year? Would that be the main focus, would you say? Uh, we've got some big airlines coming on board this year, which is really exciting. But also we yeah. have to we have to deliver what yeah. what they are so delivery really about delivery yeah well yeah. we're really strict yeah. Our, yeah. the reason With the food, yeah. um we deliver what we do is because we're really we are incredibly strict uh so we've got um a lot of recruitment to do this year we've got expansion to do this year uh obviously we're opening a new kitchen in canada uh we've got some stuff going on in america as well which is exciting um and then um our, our big uh, retail launch for our adult product as well later on in the year. Yeah. So that's exciting, yeah. Amazing. No, honestly, it's been incredible to have you on the podcast. And Thank you very much. Yeah, we spoke about so much from your upbringing and journey obviously know, to wow. the different business and the airline. So I really appreciate you coming on today. If anyone much. wants to obviously check out your, your restaurant or your Instagram, would you like to share that? Yeah, it's, uh, the restaurant is nichefoodanddrink.com. And our food production business is nichefreefromkitchen.com. Obviously, that's more B2B. Yeah. But there, there's some B2, it links to some of the other websites that we have on there as well. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, thanks so much for coming on, Mac. Thank and you. Yeah, very hope much. you enjoy. Bye. Cheers, then.